Woke up quick at about noon. A very good day to each and every single one of you. Welcome into the Tuesday, June 2nd edition of the podcast with Damian Barling. That's me. Presented by Vibe Health Bar. But they got three locations in East Sacramento, Oak Park, and Folsom. It's going to be 100 degrees over the course of the next couple of days, man. If you need an organic cold press juice or you need an acai bowl or some smoothies, Vibe Health Bar has got you covered. Uh, today is the season finale of season number one of the podcast. What does that mean? Nothing. It just means tomorrow is the beginning of season two. Tomorrow uh, is the year anniversary of the podcast, man. So I'm excited to share some things with you uh, tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to have a special guest with me tomorrow as well. And uh, there's a so full disclosure, um, you know, I tell you guys everything. So uh, here here's here's the background of today's show. I originally sat down to record this episode of today's show last night. As a matter of fact, I did sit down and record today's episode last night. I spent a lot of the day. So first of all, thank you to those who listened to yesterday's show. I can't say this enough. It was so therapeutic to express with you uh, the way that I felt and then to get the amount of text uh, that I got yesterday that came in, you know, on the show text line at 916-888-5898. Uh, many of the, you know, comments that came in on social media as well. It, it, it just meant a huge difference to me so much so that you, you guys know my routine by now. I, I sit down and record. I walk the dogs. I come back. I usually get a workout in something along those lines. That show was so therapeutic for me yesterday and having the music as a part of it and, you know, ending the show with Stevie Wonder. But, but by the time I got back from from walking the dogs, I thought, man, maybe maybe I should record like another episode. Maybe I should record like what would just be like a regular version of the podcast and, you know, just have basically like a bonus edition or make that episode that aired yesterday as a bonus edition and then just you know, talk about sports or talk about what's, you know, you know, going on in the world of sports, which is absolutely nothing uh, on a different episode. And so I sat down and started to think, well, okay, let me see. Let me see what's out there. Let me see what I could put together. And then, of course, here in Sacramento, there was a story that was very, very prominent that got a lot of legs through yesterday morning. And I realized, okay, I need to be careful with this. I don't want to hit this without thinking about it. Like, I, I, I want to be able to uh, fully contextual. I, I want to be able to fully contextualize how I feel and and lay this out in the proper way. So I laid out what was to be today's show last night and decided I was going to sit down and record it in advance. And I spent sixty five freaking minutes talking about an individual who probably hasn't given me a second thought since the last time I've seen him. And that individual was prominently in our news cycle yesterday. And so I didn't think the podcast was bad. I just couldn't believe like, is because I wanted to lay out like the story, like I wanted to lay out the entire story and history and why I feel about Grant Napier the way I did and why our relationship was so sour for so long. And I laid out the story and I, there was a point in the show where I said, you know, I realize I've been talking, like, how long have I been talking? And I pulled up my screen to see how long the show was. I was 48 minutes into the show, and I hadn't even got to the situation with DeMarcus Cousins a couple of days ago. 
So I was like, so, you know, I finished the show and again, I thought it was fine, but something about it, like when I walked away from it, I was like, did I, did I just spend an hour talking about Grand Napier? And so here's what I decided to do. And this is a hundred percent a cheap ploy uh, to get more people over on the Patreon account. I'm going to put that episode of the show up on the Patreon account. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, obviously, I'm going to talk about the Grant Napier situation, and and I'm, I'm going to, you know, give you a, a, some background. But if you want the complete, unedited story of my relationship with Grant Napier over the last few years, go to Patreon.com and uh, subscribe. Be a subscriber. Be a supporter. Um, yeah, absolutely, 100% cheap plug. 100%. I'm even going to put it on the, on, I'm, I'm just going to have it on all tiers because I don't want to throw it away. I don't think it was a bad show. And I'll always tell you, like, if I, I've told you many times that, that like, I've, this sucks and I re recorded it or something just died. The show was late posting because I thought the first one sucked or whatever the case may be. This isn't the case. I don't think this episode is bad. It just was, I just, when it, when I walked away from it, like, I felt weird about it. I was like, I can't believe I, like, 60 plus minutes. And so it's there available for you because I really, truly, I don't know that people care. I think people care about my opinion on Grant Napier. I don't know if they care about my history with Grant Napier. So I need to lay out just a couple of things for you, and I promise I'll do it in quick fashion, and then we'll spend some time talking about what's happened over the last couple of days. There are a few other uh, uh, sports stories uh, that we can dig into. Um, you know, I mentioned that tomorrow is the year anniversary of the podcast. Thursday, we're expected to get a vote from the NBA. I imagine we're going to start getting some details on that uh, over the course of the next 24 hours as well. So we're going to have a lot to talk about in terms of real, real, real sports in the very new future. Uh, real life issues. Something's going on in Las Vegas. Uh, again, to, to, to give you a, an idea of where I'm at right now, it's 4.48 a.m. in California I've read four different things as to what went on in Las Vegas. I read that an officer was shot. I read that a, a, it was a, a U.S. Air Marshal. I, I, I mean, or air, not U.S. Air Marshal, a U.S. Marshal. Uh, I've read a number of different things. I don't know what's real. I've read that an officer has died. Again, I don't know what's actually the truth with this. So I, I got to kind of just leave it out there. And I don't know what time you're listening to this podcast because if you're listening to it, it 6 a.m., you might not have very many details, but if you're listening to it at 6 p.m., the whole story may have played out uh, throughout the day. So that's, you know, that's one of the difficulties of posting a podcast so early in the morning. Uh, but I like to get it up because I realize a lot of you are, you know, on on your, you know, you're, you're, you're back to work or you're, you know, you're kind of back to some semblance of normalcy and you've allowed me to be a part of your life. So let me fill you in on a couple of things as they pertain to Grant Napier and as we dig into that story. I, you know, a lot of people reached out yesterday because I obviously have a I have a very rocky relationship with 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 Grant, and I never really hid that. You know, we we didn't get along during my time uh, at KHTK, and I'm going to take that all the way back, and I'm 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 going to explain to you how. And I don't know that we've I don't think we've told this story on the radio, and I and I purposely didn't use his name out of respect for the people that I was working with. But Grant Napier was the reason I was taken off the air uh, that one day after the Demarcus Cousins trade. Uh, he went to the general manager of the radio station and complained that I was uh, unprofessional in believing that Vladdy was bad at his job. He said I was unprofessional for calling him a moron. He said that I was unprofessional uh, for saying that he was not equipped to be a general manager in the NBA. 
And he went to the, he didn't go to the program director. He didn't go to the vice president of programming. He went straight to the general manager and uh, the general manager, like, again, I go into full detail on, on the lengthy podcast. It, 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 I, I don't even know how relevant it is to the story, but he is the reason that I missed that show. He is the reason that when you search my name, and there are a lot of people uh, who hold responsibility for that day. And uh, I've had to like learn to just kind of deal with that because I don't find that, that I don't think it's funny. Like I've never been like amused by that whole thing. I know a, a lot of, and we made jokes of it on the air because I like we had to. Like we, like I felt that was the best way to just approach it as if it's funny. Like I don't want to sit around and, you know, be angry about it, especially when I'm with Jason and when I'm with Ken and when I'm with Chris or when it's just me and Jason or whatever me, you know, whatever the case is. Like I, I didn't feel like there was a need to just constantly be angry about it. So we regularly joked about being taken off the air. We regularly joked about those guys walk, walking out, but Grant Napier was the one behind it. And I resented him for that for a really long time because for me, if you have an issue with me, bring it to me. But I was still relatively new at the station. I mean, the lowdown was less than a year old. And, you know, we had really established ourselves. We were different. We weren't Dave. We weren't Grant. We weren't fanboys. We weren't water carriers for the Kings. And we were going to address social issues. And we were going to address them in a way that neither one of them were willing to do. And so we had carved out our niche at this point, And we had started to really establish our audience and we started to really establish who we were and it it honestly it still angers me to this day that you search my name and you see KHDK uh, suspends host from from radio show I wasn't suspended that day but none of that is 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 relevant what's relevant to the story is that's how my um, anger or that's how my I, I could go so far as to say hatred because I really do believe there was a point in my life where I hated Grant Napier. Like, I hated his guts. And there's a lot more, you know, in between. There's, there's uh, you know, a point where I tried to talk it out with him. Uh, there's a point where he went back to the general manager and complained about my coverage of Colin Kaepernick and the way I was uh, speaking highly of athletes who were willing to protest at work. Or as those were his lines, um, or willing to protest, you know, at events, or willing to protest, period. And so I'm going to fast forward because, again, I can tell you there was a point in my life where I hated Grant Napier, and I did not hide it. Everybody in the building knew that I hated him from the from the general manager to the sales staff to the HR lady. To, you know, obviously Jason knew, Doug knew, everybody knew. And Grant may have not given two thoughts about me. But because of that incident, I hated his guts. And I remember having a, a conversation with Doug and we were talking about George Carl. And Doug was telling me uh, that he had a rocky relationship with George Carl. And I was like, oh, like, Okay, like, you, you you don't anymore? And he was like, nah. He goes, I wrote him a note. He said, my, my wife really encouraged me to, to, to write him a note and not carry that hatred around with me and not carry that, that, that anger and frustration around with me. And I kind of, like, nodded my head. And he looked at me, didn't say anything. 
but he's looking at me and I, and I knew what he was implying. And I just kind of, I nodded my head and I said, all right, DC and left the studio. And so I wrote a note. I wrote Grant Napier a note and the note said uh, something along the lines of, I, I actually remember it well. I wrote, you know, you and I never discussed the crux of my issue with you, but given that it's three years old now, maybe that's not worth doing. But in my time here, maybe I haven't always been professional with you, but I believe that, you know, we are working towards a common goal and that's to make, you know, KHDK the top radio station in the city to make our respective shows the top rated shows uh, in the city. And, and, and I believe that we should have, you know, a common goal as two people who work in the same place. And um, I, I had a long conversation with Doug and I, and, I, and I would like to put, you know, our first few years behind us and move forward. And if you're not interested, that's totally fine. Just know I'm putting this, you know, behind me. I would like to be cordial because Grant and I did not speak to each other. And I made it clear I don't want to speak to him. He didn't come into the studio until I was out of the studio. When we passed each other in the hallways, we didn't talk to each other. We didn't exchange pleasantries. We didn't do anything. And I made that clear. Don't speak to me. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Stay away from me. That's the way. I was, I was, at KH, I was only at KHTK for three years. Three, you know, plus years. And Grant and I didn't talk to each other for over two of them. So I wrote that note and I didn't give it to him. I carried it around in my my bag for for a long time, like weeks. Probably I I might have carried it around for a month. And then one day, uh, Doug, you know, walks in and he's he's getting ready for the show and he's. I, I didn't feel like he was paying attention to, to anything I was doing. And I, and I just thought, and I started thinking about the King schedule and it's like, well, he's gone. It's like, well, okay. So I, I just reached into my bag and I put the note on the council and I kind of saw Doug's head pop up and he looks at the console and he, he, he just starts nodding his head. And I was like, okay, because I feel like I, you know, I don't, you can't carry hate around, man. Like you can't. And I carried that hate for Grant Napier around for a really, really long time. And you, you know, I thought Doug was right. You can't carry that with you. And I think that was one of the, it was one of, because it wasn't more than, I don't know, maybe a month and a half later that the lowdown ended. And so I, I am, I was always thankful for Doug to, you know, mention that to me, to, to suggest, hey, don't carry this around with you. And, it, you know, I, I remember him saying, you know, in a, in, a, in a later conversation, if he doesn't reciprocate, he doesn't reciprocate. But you, but you have to worry, you have to clear your heart. He said, you can't worry about how Grant responds to this. You have to clear your heart. Okay, D.C., all right. So that's what I did. And the next day, uh, I leave the studio and Grant's coming in. We cross paths and he's on the phone and he says, hey, I, I, let me, I'm, I got I to gotta go. I'll talk to you later. And he hangs up the phone and he says, hey, uh, thank you. 
And he, he extends his hand. He said, uh, I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, we're good. I, I'd like to move forward also. Uh, but, man, you, you, and, you, you and I are good, man. Th- th- thank you for that note. I appreciate it. Okay. That's, that was that. And, it, again, I don't know how long it was. I don't think it was more than a month or two. It certainly wasn't more than two months. I don't think it was much time between uh, when Grant and I had that moment versus when the, uh, when the lowdown ended. And we were fine. You know, we, we started actually having conversations with each other. Not lengthy conversations. You know, the lowdown ends. Doug and Grant start. There's a, there's a timeline of about four minutes, and you don't want to be talking to somebody the second that their music comes on. You know, the second their theme music comes on, you want to give them an opportunity to kind of get comfortable, get in the groove, get in front of the microphone, and get ready for what they're going to do. So your, your, your time to interact with each other is, is very limited, which is why I was always grateful that I was able to establish the relationship uh, I did with Doug because we didn't have a lot of time to talk to each other. But... You know, Doug and I certainly made a, a lot more time for each other than, than Grant and I ever did. But I was so appreciative to Doug for that. And I truthfully was appreciative to, to Grant for being open to taking that note and then being willing to, to just walk away from it or, you know, you know to, put that, to, to, to put that in our past. And again, we'd exchange pleasantries. Hello, hello. We talk a little bit about something that happened in sports or, you know, he'd he, he, you know, we, we, we would just have normal cordial conversations that you would expect in everyday human work life. Like we were able to do that fist bumped at Kings games when we acknowledged each other, like it was just normal, not BFFs. Like when the show ended, he didn't call or text and, and that's okay. I wouldn't expect them to. We didn't have that type of relationship. So I, I wanted to lay out that entire history because so many people, I, I don't take glee. Like I'm not excited I'm not giddy about the position that Grant Napier is in. And the most common thing that has come up, the most common question I've been asked based on, you know, I was very active. Yesterday was a weird day. I was really active on social media yesterday. And I I think part of it was because Grant like exemplifies some of the things that are really, really wrong with people. And he also exemplifies some of the very conversations that we have had on on this podcast or on the Be Conscious podcast about racism. And, you know, the the, the question that has come up over and over and over and over again is, do you believe that Grant Napier is racist? And yes, I absolutely 100% believe Grant Napier is racist. But I also don't think Grant Napier is a Klansman. I don't think he's evil. I don't think he's burning crosses. I don't think he's using the N-word when no one is watching. And, and you know, Matt Barnes and, and Chris Weber have, have been using the term. So I kind of just dove into this assuming, I assume everybody knows the story by now. I think it's fair to say, you know, most of the people listening to this podcast are, are in Northern California. And this is no longer, this is, here, here's, where, here, here's, here's where Grant Napier is really on dangerous ground as the, the play-by-play man for the Kings more so than his position at KHTK, though I do believe they are in some way, shape, or form related. This is now an NBA story. This isn't like a little Sacramento story because people in Sacramento, if you've paid, this isn't new behavior from Grant Napier, particularly online. You can date back, at least like from my perspective, you can 
date this type of behavior back to Colin Kaepernick's protest and when all of that started. And there's enough, you know, the, you know, the term dog whistling where you say something and maybe people don't hear it, but the people that it's intended for hear it loud and clear. Grant Napier was very good at dog whistling. And I don't even know that he knows it. But he would, this, this, this isn't new. And so, you know, now with, you know, statements put out by, by the company that owns KHK saying we're going to be investigating, you know, Grant Napier's Twitter comments, he's going to be on administrative leave for the time being. Okay. I, and, you know, I don't know who made that call. I don't know if that was a, a, a KHDK call. I don't know if that was a KHDK parent company call. I don't know if that was a Sacramento Kings call. Uh, but I do know that this is a widespread story that is running across the league. And you, you saw, you know, you know, DeMarcus's response. You saw Chris Weber react. You saw Matt Barnes react, calling him a closet racist. Grant Napier isn't a closet racist. He's not, because that would indicate he's got a hood hanging in his closet. Let me rephrase that. I don't believe that Grant Napier is a closet racist. I think he's just an ignorant racist. Meaning, all racists are ignorant. But what I mean is, he is ignorant to his own racism. I believe Grant Napier really does believe he's not racist. I think Grant Napier, and I, you know, a lot of people don't understand the the full connotation behind all lives matter. And I know you've heard this explained to you because I, I believe this is a, a, this is a smart group that listens to this. And uh, I can tell by the way you respond to many of our difficult conversations. Like, I, I feel like this is something, you know, but if you don't, I'm happy to explain it to you because it, there, there are people who don't know the, the connotation behind all lives matter and why it is offensive in terms of, uh, throwing it at someone in all caps when they ask you, what are your feelings? What is your position on Black Lives Matter? And All Lives Matter was created. This is, I, I equate, the easiest way to equate this that I think people truly do understand is Black Lives Matter is, it's virtually Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It's, it's the same thing. That's what Black Lives Matter is. It's bringing attention to a particular issue. At no point in my life have I ever heard someone say, well, wait a minute, what about testicular cancer? Well, wait a minute, what about all other cancer? Hey, man, all cancers matter. Hey, man, how come all cancers don't have their month? I've never heard anybody say that. And it's okay to have the focal point on breast cancer awareness. For a month. That's okay. But people took great offense. I mean, do, does anybody do, does anybody know the true origins of the Black Lives Matter movement? Does anybody truly know how it start, started? Okay, I'll share with you. Here's how it started. It started on social media, as so many things do. I think it's, and actually, I think it started in Oakland. It was started by women as well. I think it was started by two gay women and a transgender woman. And I, for, I, I, forget, their, I forget their name, so you know, uh, I, I apologize for that. But it started with, a, it was either a tweet or a Facebook statement. And, and, and it was something along the lines of, and this was after, this was after Trayvon Martin. 
And it was, you know, I'm heartbroken over this. Please stop killing our young black men. Black lives matter too. That was, that was the connotation to it. Stop killing us. Black lives matter. Black lives are important. Stop acting as if they don't matter. Stop killing young teenagers as if they're not important to our society. And it grew. That matter really, really grew uh, after Ferguson. As Ferguson was taking place, that's really when the Black Lives Matter movement took off. That's when Black Lives Matter became more than just a, a line and a hashtag that was used on various social media accounts. That's when it became an actual movement. And that's when people started rearranging what it actually meant. Oh, well, how come just Black Lives Matter? And of course, I don't know which started first. I actually believe that it was cops behind it who started the Blue Lives Matter uh, uh, movement or whatever you call it first. But the way this all boils down to is anytime you have black something, a retort to that is ultimately going to be done by white people, right? So that's what the Blue Lives Matter was. It wasn't just for cops. It was particularly for white cops. It's, I've, made, I've made remarks about the Undertaker's shirt that he wore or wears in the, the, the Last Dance documentary. I'm sorry, The Last Ride uh, thing that, that the WWE Network is wearing. He, he, one of the shirts that he wears that has that blue stripe to the American flag, that's a, that's a Blue Lives Matter thing. And that has become associated with conservatives that is to 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 use a uh, a political term it has been associated with the right and the connotation behind that is like well this this is more important than your movement the blue lives matter movement is more important than black lives matter and then we have to encompass everything and say that all lives matter the three words all lives matter of, of course like the, that's not even a conversation it's not. Of course all lives matter. Your life matters no matter what your race or ethnic, uh, ethnic background is. It's not, again, that's not a conversation. It becomes a conversation when someone asks you your opinion on Black Lives Matter and you respond in all caps. So here's, and you respond in all caps, all lives matter. So Grant's statement about, you know, I was ignorant to what the Black Lives Matter movement was or I was ignorant to what all lives matter, I don't believe that for two seconds. And here's where we need to dive into a couple of things. Grant's statement, and I was really, and I get it. Like, I'm sure they're friends. They, they've, they've, I, I assume they've known each other for a very long time. I thought Marcos Brenton, like, I was really disappointed in him because I do, I do appreciate his work. It's particularly in, in uh, the, the realm of social justice. I, I appreciate what Marcos does. Um, and I don't really know what his job was in this situation. It, it, it appears maybe Grant reached out to him. I don't know if, I, I don't really know how the whole exchange worked. But, you know, uh, I, I was ignorant to, you know, I, I, I'm 60 years old. I have so much to learn. And then, you know, the line, I'm in pain. Again, that's not, none of this is Marcos's fault. Maybe I, I, I shouldn't put this on him because it could have just been a short conversation. Hey, do you, do you want to say anything? What do you want me to write? What do you want me to print? And, you know, Marcos didn't have the opportunity to do an in-depth interview. I was really agitated at the Sacramento Bee for tweeting out headlines that say, uh, quote, I'm in pain. Grant Napier apologizes for for uh, remark about Black Lives Matter. And so this is a common trait amongst people. This is a common trait amongst uh, people who act, you know, 
act out in racism, right? They, they are comforted. They want to be comforted by other. I often use the example where if you're a minority at work, if you're at your job and you encounter a situation with, um, you know, one of your coworkers and we're, we're going we're gonna to say, you know, uh, a, a white coworker, okay? And something happens along the way and, and, and you feel it was, it was racially motivated. And, 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 and just for fun's sake, let's, let's say it's Karen. And you stand up and you say, Karen, that was racist. You're in, you're in, a, you're in, a, you're in a meeting with, 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 with all of your coworkers and, you know, Karen says something and you stand up and you say, you know what, Karen, your, your behavior, it's, it's racist. You can't talk to me like that. And Karen starts to break down and she goes, I'm not racist. I've got black friends. I had a black person in my wedding. I've, I've just, I've treated everybody with respect. I have a, 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 a foundation where I help underprivileged kids. How could you say this about me? And then what, you'd, what you'll start to see in that situation is your coworkers will gravitate towards Karen. Your coworkers will gravitate towards the person who's been accused of racism rather than trying to comfort the person who is making the, you know, the accusation of racism. No one goes to the person who's making the accusation of racism and goes, hey, are you okay? Do you want to talk about this? Like, let's talk. They all gravitate to the person who has uh, been called out for their racism. And that's what Grant did yesterday. Grant tried to, whether no, and, and again, I don't think he did this on purpose. I think he did this in ignorance. I think he did this unknowingly. If you want to make the remark, I still have, I'm 60 years old. I still have a lot to learn. If you want to make the remark that I didn't know the connotation between, but by what all lives matter mean, and believe in, I don't believe that for a second. He absolutely knew what he meant. And he was so hell bent on responding to DeMarcus Cousins because that is, you talk about the epitome of unprofessional behavior. His actions about and towards DeMarcus Cousins are some of the most unprofessional things I've ever seen associated with the NBA. It is absolutely absurd. And he's been allowed to get away with it, both by the Kings and by the people at KHDK. He has been allowed to get away with it. So he knew what he was saying and he knew what it meant. He's done it before. The only difference is he did it to DeMarcus. And because he did it to DeMarcus, other NBA players saw it. And because other NBA players saw it, you know who else saw it? It wasn't just Chris Weber that saw it. It wasn't just uh, Matt Barnes that saw it. Current members of the Sacramento Kings roster saw it. And while none of them text me, I have been way aware that many of them didn't respond too kindly to it. So Grant Napier pleading ignorance to this is, ignorance in terms of not knowing, is ridiculous. However, if he wanted to use the line, I didn't know what I was, I, I didn't know the connotation behind it. I'm 60 years old. I still have a lot to learn. I want to be better. And you wanted to end it right there. Okay. All right, I don't believe you, but okay. End it right there. Let's move along, and 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 then you know, KHDK and the Kings and they'll work. They'll 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 do whatever they're gonna do. 
But that's his line. That's his remark. All right, let's move forward. But we had to throw in the line about I'm in pain. And the reason we had to throw in that line is because we have to garner sympathy. We have to put the attention back on us. We have to go through the process of removing your attention from the act of racism and focusing it on the person who committed the act and saying, well, I'm remorseful here. I'm in pain because of this. And none of this means that Grant Napier doesn't deserve forgiveness. None of this means that Grant Napier doesn't honestly believe that he made a mistake. And none of this means that Grant Napier doesn't believe he can actually be better because of this or he can actually learn from it. What it means is Grant is exemplifying uh, an underlying tone that's always there in what you can call like unknowing racism. Give you another example. Some of his follow-up tweets. And it was pretty clear after the DeMarcus Cousins interaction, you know, as he got a couple of tweets into it and things went really south for him, he got a call. It's clear in the tone of what he was tweeting, he got a call from someone. I have no idea who it was or what, uh, which one. I don't believe KHDK will tell Grant what to do. So let, let, let's kind of put that out there. I don't think the general manager at KHDK will tell Grant what to do. I don't think the owners of the parent company at KHDK will tell Grant what to do. Uh, and I think if Jason told Grant what to do, he just wouldn't listen. Because I, I believe Grant thinks because of his tenure at KHDK and because he's seen people like me come and go and he's seen a variety of people walk in those doors and walk out those doors and never return. He believes he's above any program director that comes in there. He's lived through multiple program directors at KHDK. He believes he is the authority there and he only has to go to one person and that one person is the general manager. And more times than not, that general manager is going to have his back, just like he did when he went to complain about me and what I said about Vlade. So I have to believe that something at, at, or someone at some point during his Twitter responses from the Sacramento Kings said, hey, one, clean this up quickly and stop tweeting. Because you see the tone change. Um, like Not immediately. You see like text or tweet, tweet, tweet. Oh, I'm sorry if it came across as dumb. And it's like, hmm. Oh, now he's shifting gears to get people to call into his show. Oh, he got a call. Somebody said something to him. And it had to have been someone within the Kings organization. Because his, his tone changed. And as he's tweeting, he's talking about, you know, I have more black friends than white friends. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. If you've ever used that line before, if you've ever used the line about a black friend, you're racist. Again, it doesn't mean you're evil. It doesn't mean you're a Klansman. doesn't mean you're using the N-word and burning crosses. It doesn't mean you clutch your purse or get nervous when a black person walks by you. It means you use black people as props. And it's, it's not even something that's reserved for black people. I've got a gay friend. Okay, well, now you're using gay friends as props. Now you, you, anytime you have to acknowledge uh, the race or orientation or ethnic background of, of someone in your circle, you're using that person as a prop in your life. Black people aren't props. We're not there to, you know, black people are not there to show like, hey, look, I'm not racist. Well, I've done so much work for the African-American community. You're like, okay, great. That's awesome. 
Well, again, you're using your, like you're using it as a prop. Most people who aren't racist, most people who are truly, just truly are not racist are never accused of it. If you have ever been accused of racism before, there's a reason for it. And as much as white people want to believe that that is, a, that is just a blind blanket that is thrown over people, it's not. If someone has ever told you dude, that was racist or you're racist, someone has ever called you out on your racist behavior, there's a reason for it. No matter how, whether you agree with the reason or not, whether you agree with the statement that I just made about black people not being props in your life to talk about in conversations where you're accused of racism, even if you don't believe that's racist, you're wrong. It is. When you, when you're, when you're, when you're in the position of, of 60 year old white man, and you go to people because Grant knows he's going to garner a certain amount of sympathy. I can tell you, I'm happy to share with you because I'm, I'm positive I kept many of them. I never got more hate text and death threats than I did when I did Grant Napier's show because I never adjusted who I was when I had to do Grant's show, particularly when I was by myself. I think one of the best... 24 minutes of radio I ever did was it I I was it wasn't even the lowdown I had to work uh I think Jason was gone and Grant happened to be gone that day I think Ken had already left us at the time uh Chuck and Matt filled in and they did the lowdown and I had to do uh what was Grant Napier's show from three to seven by myself and I remember my opening conversation was about Ray Lewis and this was in the, you know, Colin Kaepernick time and Steve, you know, the owner of the Ravens talking about, you know, pray for us and all of that ridiculousness that went on back then. And I remember I unleashed on Ray Lewis for 23 straight minutes. It was a conversation that was very heavy with, you know, uh, overtones of race and, and politics and different things like that. Oh my God. I have screenshots, again, I'm happy to share them with you, of, of the reaction that day. But that was his audience. And he knows by using a line that I'm in pain. Oh, I'm hurting. Meaning I'm remorseful for what I did. He knows that he's going to get a certain portion of the fan base on, on, his, on his back. Grant's a Donald Trump supporter. That station leans heavily right in terms of the amount of people that listen to it. Because that station has alienated the rest of its audience. And I'm not coming from a bitter place here. You could take this back long before me. You ask a lot of people, their favorite show that's ever existed on that radio station wasn't The Lowdown. It was Jason, Deuce, and Moe. But they blew that up because they had to fix the garbage that was in the morning. So they put Deuce and Moe on in the morning. And blew up what was the most popular show. It's like, okay, well, that sucks. But at least Deuce and Moe are still here. They're just on in the morning. Like, all right, we still got Jason. So it's not, it's not all that bad. But still, you took away something people really liked. And then you idiotically took away Deuce and Moe. And then, of course, you put me and Ken in there. And, and that was one of the hardest things about the, you know, the birth of the lowdown was 
we were looked at as if we replaced Deuce and Mo. Whereas Deuce and Mo were in the morning when we came in. And I had been talking to Deuce daily leading up to the day that those two were let go. Because we knew something was going on. I was getting called into the office a lot. I didn't even officially work there at the time. I had just been doing fill-in stuff. And I had been, in, been getting called in like a lot. I was like, Deuce, man, something's going on here. And we talked about it daily. And you took Deuce and Mo away. And then you put us out there. And then you took us away. And now you put, and it's not even that you, t- it's not even that you took the lowdown off the air. It's not even that you took Deuce. You didn't replace it with anything. It's like you, you just alienated, and ESPN 1320 is guilty of this as well, and I've had conversations with them also, but the way, that, the way that the sports talk market here in Sacramento has just been hit in the face with a baseball bat, Grant Napier being fired from his job at KHTK is completely inconsequential. I want to be clear. If Grant Napier is fired from his job at KHTK, it's completely inconsequential. You could go online and you can go to Twitter and see all of these people talking about, I'll never listen to KHTK again. Do you know how many people said that after the lowdown ended? Do you know how many people said that after Deuce and Mole were fired? It's a, it's a common thread that comes along with, you know, the removal of someone's favorite program or of someone's favorite personality. KHTK isn't going to suffer if Grant Napier's gone. They're not. Not even in the slightest. Because, because that the, the sports talk market has been so isolated. It's, it, the, I would not be able to do a daily sports podcast with any sort of audience that I have if it wasn't for the fact that the sports talk uh, platform in, KHTK, or in Sacramento has just been completely obliterated. If I lived in Sac- uh, San Francisco and was trying to do the same thing with the San Francisco audience, I'd have no hope. Sports talk is a huge deal in San Francisco. It's not in Sacramento. And so, you know, you throw it, you, oh, I'm in, I'm in pain, and you're going to garner sympathy from, from, from your audience, particularly your, your MAGA audience, because Grant's a Donald Trump supporter, and people know it. And... They're going to back him and they're going to rally for him and they're going to call this, you know, they're going to call this an overreaction, especially because it has to do with Black Lives Matter. And there's this belief that you're just going to, you know, we're, we're, we're never going to tune into this radio station again. Yeah. Okay. The number of people that listen to sports talk in this city is virtually, dude, I don't want to say it's none, but I've told you before, I can't put the amazing audience that listens to this podcast, I can't put them up against Rob Arney and Don or, or, it's, or uh, I can't put them against the rad show. I know it's not Rob Arney and Don and someone else, but I, I, I can't put it against the 98 rock talk show. I can't put it against the wake up call on one Oh seven. I can't put it against the Eagle or, or, or Pat and Tom and Cody on KNCI. I can't put this show against them, but I'll put the numbers of this podcast against any show on ESPN 1320 in any show on KHDK, whether it's the drive, whether it's Grant and Doug, or whether it's any, uh, whether it's Rome or that garbage uh, at, at twelve, I will put this audience again because people have left that realm. I have seen the numbers. I have seen the numbers from the programming side. I have seen the numbers from the business side. But I understand Grant's trying to garner that sympathy, and that in and of itself 
is showing that Grant Napier is completely unaware of his own racism. He is ignorant to the fact he makes judgments on people because of their because of because of the color of their skin. And I've always thought that an unknowing racist is one of the most dangerous types of racist. It, they're dangerous in the sense that they don't actually realize they're making decision based on the color of somebody's skin. Do you, are you old enough to remember that Vladi Divac protested in the NBA? That he made a political statement when his country was at war? Did y'all ever watch the 30 for 30 that Vladi was a major, major piece of? It was one of the best ones they ever put out. It was freaking extraordinary. It was a story that I knew surface level of. But, it, it, I mean, it is phenomenal. And Vlade is, the, is, is essentially the star of it. Did you know that he protested? He wore a band around his arm? I asked Vlade once, the one time I've ever done an interview with him at our sports fest event. How do you feel about athletes protesting? He's like, well, it's, you've, it, it's important. Athletes got to, I did it. Like, athletes got to stand up for what they believe in. Do you, Think Grant had, hey, don't protest at work connotations to Vlade? I can answer that for you. He did not. He absolutely did not. But he did when it was Colin Kaepernick. He did when it was other black athletes. Now, did he not because of, maybe, did, was it because he agreed with what Vlade was doing? Was it because Vlade was white? Was it because Vlade was his friend? Was it because Vlade was the Sacramento king? I don't know, but I know he adamantly supported one and was dead set against the other. And there's a, a very obvious, there's a very obvious difference between the two. I don't think Grant Napier is a, as much as I, and I don't hate Grant Napier and I don't, I don't relish in this moment that he's in. I hope Grant Napier learns from this. I hope he identifies his issues as a human being. I hope he identifies his issues as a 60-year-old man, as he put it. I'm a 60-year-old man. I got a lot to learn. I hope you take the time to learn. Not disingenuously learn and not put out statements about what you're going to do. No, take the time to learn. Take the time to understand why so many people on social media have just seen this as, yep, it's about time. Like, this isn't new. I hope he takes the time, whether he keeps his job with the Sacramento Kings or not, or whether he keeps his job at KHDK or not, or any combination of the two. I hope he takes the time to, to learn and to understand. I'm not happy about the position Grant Napier is in. I don't feel bad for him, but I don't relish in this either. I know a lot of people love him, and I know a lot of people uh, in, in, enjoy, whether it's his commentary uh, on basketball, they enjoy his show with, 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 with Doug. Me, part of my reconciliation was, with Grant was the understanding I can't listen to his show because he is entitled to run his show the way that he wants to. And if his show uh, is, is present with racial overtones, that's his business. I can't do anything about it. The best thing for me is to just not listen to it. And the more I don't listen to him, the more we can have a cordial working relationship, which was all I was worried about. Because 
I never wanted to create more issues for Jason as the program director. He had enough that he had to deal with. So I started the show telling you I spent an hour talking about Grant Napier on a, a podcast I wasn't going to release, and yet here I am 47 more minutes in. I've talked more about Grant Napier in the last two days than I have in you know the last year. So for those who have asked to recap and we'll move on, do I think Grant Napier is racist? Absolutely. But I also believe he is He's completely oblivious to it. I don't think he's evil. I don't think he's a horrible person. I don't think he walks around using the N-word. I don't think he's a closet racist. Like, uh, I, I, I think that was a Chris Weber line. I don't, I don't think that he is, or a Matt Barnes line. I think his... I think his... I, I don't think he's aware of his own racism. So, there you have it. My thoughts on, on Grant Napier. If you want to hear... I don't even know what the point is now. This is 47 freaking minutes, 48 freaking minutes. Like, I, I don't, if you want to hear the extended history uh, regarding Grant Napier, then it's on patreon.com slash Damien Barling, or you can go to DamienBarling.com. Is this an absolute cheap plug for the Patreon account? 100%. Here's another thing I've noticed as it pertains to the Patreon account. There's just a couple of other stories. None of them are major, uh, but I do want to touch on a couple of them before we wrap up. Um, I've noticed... I thought for sure, and by the way, the Relive podcast drops tomorrow. If you're a wrestling fan, whether current or past, can you subscribe to that podcast? If for nothing else, I want your feedback on it. It is a completely different style podcast than this. It's a completely different style podcast than the Sacramento Kings. It's completely different than Be Conscious. It's a docu-style podcast. I'm so anxious to get your feedback on it. Uh, And if you could just, even if you're not super into wrestling or maybe you're not into it anymore, but you're aware of characters like Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock, if you could check it out, uh, I just, just for nothing else than to give me your feedback. Uh, It's called Relive with Damian Barling and it's going to be available uh, by the time you wake up tomorrow. Um, I've noticed a trend on Patreon and it's, it's actually an overwhelming trend. I thought for sure, because you create these different tiers with Patreon, which is something I actually kind of regret right now. Like, I wish I could change that. But once people subscribe to the tier, uh, you can't change it. Um, But Be Conscious is by far the most popular tier uh, that has been subscribed to. So it's like I had made the commitment I'm going to do one Be Conscious episode a month. With the amount of people that have subscribed, like, I don't, that's not appropriate anymore. I'm going to start doing more. I'm not going to commit to every week because I want to have guests on, but I'm going to commit to multiple episodes uh, between three and four every single month of of Be Conscious. It, it's become pretty clear, particularly over the last couple of days, uh, that that's my outside of this one is my most popular podcast. So I'm going to put some more uh, work into that. I'm still going to do, obviously, I'm going to definitely do Relive. I'm still going to do the weekly wrestling podcast as well. Uh, I'm just going to put more attention on Be Conscious. So thank you to those who have subscribed over the course of the last few days. I really appreciate that. You can go to DamienBarling.com, click the Patreon button in the upper left-hand corner. The, uh, the link is also available in the description of this podcast as well. If you're new to the show, and man, based on yesterday's numbers, I think there are a whole lot of new people to the show. 
Uh, if you dig what you're listening to, man, if you could rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or any, any podcast platform that you're on, that would be awesome. Uh, if you could share us on social media, tell your friends about us again, if you're new or old, man, we really appreciate you tuning in. I hope you dig what you're listening to. Normally, this is a very sports-centric podcast. Uh, there aren't a lot of sports going on in the world right now, and obviously what went on with Grant Napier yesterday was a pretty major story here uh, in our market. While it appears that the NBA is close to returning uh, Major League Baseball seems to get further and further away from a return to baseball, though they have discussed, Major League Baseball has discussed, playing an even shorter schedule than originally was uh, proposed and prorating that based on the original agreement with the Major League Baseball Players Association that was signed back in March. So if you recall, the initial proposal included a um, 114-game season. And then we had something that came along that had an 82-game season. And now I just think they're standing at each other's feet like, dear God, let's just get something done because we look like absolute idiots. And it is impossible to overstate how bad Major League Baseball looks right now. And I put this on Major League Baseball. I don't put this on the Players Association. And I think in many cases, uh, there's plenty of blame to go around as it pertains to the Players Association and the league owners. This has fallen on the shoulders of the Major League Baseball owners. Because you came to an agreement with your Players Association, you even came to a doomsday agreement where what would happen in terms of pay if a season did not happen. And now you have the ability to start a season and you're trying to renege on that agreement uh, because, well, because you're greedy. Don't think this is about losing money. This is not about losing money. This is not about operating in the red. This is about operating further into the black. And I completely understand every business's intent is to make the most money as possible. But when you're doing it at the expense of your workers, it's a bad look, especially when your league doesn't exist without your workers. So they have desperately got to fix this because the fact that, the fact that basketball, the NBA, has taken their time in coming up with their plan and they seemed, we seem to be days away from an announcement about the return of the league. I don't know how many teams are going to play. I don't know what this is going to look like. There are so many different stories out, about, out there about, you know, 20 teams, 22 teams, 16 teams, uh, conference realignment, no conference realignment. There, there's 40 different stories out there, and I think we're, we're just a couple of days away from finding out what is actually true. John Jones uh, said he is going to, he said on Twitter, I don't think that he's actually told Dana White this, but he has had an exchange with Dana White over the course of the last couple of days, and he said... Uh, he was going to vacate his light heavyweight title. Of course, it's hard to believe any of this because Dana White once said, uh, John Jones will never main event a UFC pay-per-view as long as I'm in charge. Uh, John Jones has since main evented multiple UFC pay-per-view events since that line uh, was first uttered. Um, but John Jones has been, uh, he, he, him and, I'm, I'm here for a John Jones-Dana White feud because I believe both of them conduct themselves like asses. It's so sad too. John Jones should be, and maybe you maybe you can universally recognize John Jones as the greatest fighter ever to exist, the greatest UFC fighter to ever exist, or the greatest MMA fighter to ever to ever to exist. And I believe there is a lot of truth behind that. Just for me, it's hard to look past. It's hard to look past his failed drug test, and unfortunately, and, and while it shouldn't factor in, it's hard to look past his idiotic behavior. He's a guy who is at the highest level of greatness but could actually be higher. I mean, that's how amazing of a fighter he is. 
I do believe in the realm of fighting, he's untouchable, but he's got these clouds of drug suspensions hanging over him, and he's muddied his story by his idiotic behavior. And I hate that. I don't know how John Jones can have a redemption story because those those clouds of of, of performance-enhancing drugs are always going to be over him. But I believe people can have a redemption story, and maybe he can have one. And feuding with Dana White, man, that's the first step for me. I don't know what it does for his mixed martial arts career, even if he wants one. I know he's talked about boxing and different things like that. I know he's upset. You know, a, a lot of UFC fighters look at the way boxers get paid. They immediately go to Dana White like, why are we not getting paid like this? And that was that seems to be the crux of, of, of John Jones' issue here, so... I'm excited for tomorrow, man. Tomorrow's going to be uh, the launch of season two of the podcast. It is our year anniversary. Uh, I love celebrating anniversaries because you never know how long they're, you know, you never know how long what you're celebrating is actually going to be around. Uh, we celebrated the, the three-year anniversary of the lowdown, and a month later, the show was off the air forever. So that's, that's why I always point out, hey, we made it a year, man. You guys uh, stuck with me for a full year. Uh, you followed me over here to the podcast. I'm, 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 I'm very grateful of that. Uh, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, I plan on having a special guest with me, and I chuckle because I just don't know what it's going to amount to, but uh, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for you to hear the podcast tomorrow. And if you're willing to take a listen to to the Relive podcast, I'm excited for you to hear that as well. It's difficult because I've had to do multiple episodes. Like It takes a long time to put these episodes together. And so I'm four, four episodes are completed, but only you know a certain number of people have heard them. And so I don't have like a mass amount of feedback. I think episode number one is good. Like, I think it's good. I think episode number two is is good. I think episode number three is great. And I think that's where I really started to figure out what I wanted this podcast to sound like was when I got to episode number three. And I was able to take that into episode number four. And now I'm going to be able to take that through the rest of the first season. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Please go check that out at Relive. Uh, with Damian Barling. Thank you all so much for uh, tuning in today. Again, if you're new, uh, subscribe, rate, and review. We're here every single day, and we'll see you here tomorrow on the podcast with Damian Barling.